the Strong Life Coach podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Kiara Santos. Kiara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Kiara Santos is an attorney who focuses on business, trademark, and estate planning law. She is the founder and owner of Santos Legal Group. Her firm is big on culture, education, and advocating for ownership. As an Afro-Latina, Kiara is particularly focused on the needs that exist in her communities, and that is the reason she knows how important it is to help educate and empower. Kiara, what inspired you to become an attorney? So definitely, as some of my bios spoke to, I think it was just being in my community and not being exposed to attorneys and not knowing an attorney personally that really kind of drove my interest into looking into something that um, that I think what is important to have in our communities and from a good side of law. So, you know, growing up sometimes with minority black and brown communities, you're on the wrong side of the law. And so I felt like while I was actually, while I was taking a class in high school was where the, the interest original, originally peaked. And then after that is when I started thinking about, wow, like maybe I can be an attorney, which had never been really a thought of mine prior to. But in this law class, I don't remember the subject matter at all, but I just remember that it was like a group project and nobody cared about it at all. They were like, oh, I don't care. I was the one to like write down everybody's argument. I was so into it. I told everybody what to say. Like I took complete control. And then from there, I was like, I don't know. Like it was just such a natural like thing for me that I was drawn to. And and it was just funny that nobody else really um, cared about it. So from there, um, you know, since high school, I started thinking about, you know, I want to be an attorney. And that was at 16 years old. Wow. And then Yeah. So that from there, I pretty much made it my goal. And so it's a long process. Obviously, Um, you do have to go through undergrad and law school and all of that. So eventually I did get my um, law degree. But really just what inspired me again was to just look around and not see anybody like me representing us. And that's from a, a literal perspective where there's a language barrier or like I said, people just not being familiar with the good side of the law. And so the areas that I practice in, it's very helpful for these um, minority communities because they are business owners. You know, they're not always legitimized in the sense of actually forming their, their corporations or their LLCs and getting trademarks to protect their business, but their businesses nonetheless. And that's always been um, a common theme for, um, for any black and brown people. Like we have businesses. And I was like, how can I help people in that regard? And although criminal law is something that I might go back to, like just from a pro bono perspective, because I do think that's an important um, service to provide my community as well. I think that really what, what I'm doing now is is very helpful um, too with that. Sure. I love that. I, I love the passion and drive. And I, when I think about you and your story, I think about my nieces. I think about my you know, my little sister's coming up. And I and one question I ask it, um, to myself is how many high caliber professionals, women that are minorities, that are the examples for my little sisters and for my nieces coming up. And even if, if other people as well, but I think it's, it's such a powerful thing to think about, you know what, I want to be this, it's almost like I want to be this ambassador. I want to be this representative and I want to be this, uh, this connection between where a lot of people are, um, especially from a minority perspective, and then um, to, in, into a profession that, to your point, um, growing up, I, I don't remember having a friend, a family member, um, where it was, oh, okay, 
I, I know an attorney of of color, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in that way, um, but but I love your passion to um, to to know that early on and to follow through to see where you are today. Yep, yep. Thank you. And what's really cool about that too is that my first experience at a law firm was actually um, an Italian guy. Um, I, he might have been mixed, but he was Italian, and he really I was. Uh, volunteering at a nonprofit and he was an attorney speaking there. And so I remember, you know, working with the nonprofit, the lady knew how I wanted to go to law school. And at that stage, I was still trying to figure it out and do the the prerequisites, take the LSAT, whatever it was. And she kind of like nudged him and was like, oh, you know, she wants to go to law school. And I I remember being mortified because I was like, why would you tell him this? And so he was like, oh, really? And he literally took me under his wing, hired me at his law firm. And I pretty much now the way I manage my firm is heavily influenced by him. And I appreciate him so much for that because again, I, I really did not know where to go. And so I just so happened to be volunteering at this organization, just so happened to bump into an attorney and he really just helped guide my career um, up to this point, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been It's been amazing. Sure. And now I want to highlight what you said about volunteering, because that is over and over again, when I'm hearing people's stories, when I look back on some of those pivotal moments of people's lives, it came from something where they were volunteering and they were giving of themselves, giving up their time, effort, energy, resources into in a volunteer position. And that what ends up being this pivotal role in their entire life, their entire journey that set them on this path. And that speaks exactly to what you just described with um, the power of volunteering and where that can take you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, if you, if you do something with good intention and it, it's just like the universe will give you so much more than you even thought of, because it's, it's all about that. Just what you put out into the universe, you know, will come back to you. And again, I went there not having, I mean, I knew he was an attorney, but I definitely did not want to talk to him. I, I felt very, you know, intimidated by that. And yeah, so I guess I have to thank the, the, I forgot her title, but the lady at the nonprofit for kind of forcing my hand with that. But definitely, mm-hmm. I, I agree 100%. I would sure. tell all, all youth to, you know, volunteer, especially if it's something too that whether you're interested in it or not, of course, volunteer. But if it is an industry or something that you're interested in, that's a good way also to get exposure, um, experience, and actually see if that's something that, that you really want to do. I love it. I love it. There is, so let's underline that for the listeners. If you're listening in, and and you and you, you're thinking about. And I know pandemic has a, a little bit of, of, of a different situation going on, but if you're listening in, um, underline community impact through volunteer service. Kiara mentioned how it changed her life. I've mentioned it before on other episodes, but the power of this volunteering—it's fascinating. Even the leadership experience you can get there that sometimes even trumps the experience people can get from from being in, in the corporate world. I know, and I'll tell you a quick little side story, which is when I was applying for my first leadership position when I, in the corporate world, I was intimidated because I didn't have the corporate business experience under my resume in my portfolio, but I had the volunteer experience. And to my surprise, that was enough for the leaders who were making the decision um, to get me to that next level. So I, I got the role, even though I felt underqualified from a business perspective, but anyway, I, I think we're, what we're underlining right now for you, if you're listening in, find a way to volunteer. You have no idea the, the doors that volunteering will open up for you. Absolutely. It's so true. I mean, obviously, you have two prime examples here um, speaking to that. So, 
Mm-hmm. What do you enjoy most about being an attorney? <laughs> so what do I enjoy most about being an attorney? I definitely would say knowing that I've helped somebody because that is my whole goal. So, you know, just like how sometimes doing podcasts and speaking to people energizes you. That's how I feel, you know, certain times with certain clients when it's like they would never have known these things. If I had, Well, of course, they, they could have talked to somebody else. But, you know, prior to me, they had not been aware of some of the things that we can do and some of the ways that they're exposed or that we can protect them. And to just hear how appreciative they are and to know really how major it is, you know, what I'm doing for them, it really just touches me. Um, and so that that really makes me keep going because it's not an easy uh, industry. It's hard. You know, I have a 13 month old that's at home with us. And so it's a little bit difficult. But when I when I have those kind of conversations and I really feel like I'm making a true impact on somebody's life, that that's what really inspires me. And that's like the best part of the of the of my journey now as an attorney, because when you help one person, you're, you're helping their family or their friends, like it spreads out from there. It's not just that one person. Mm, yes. I, I love the visual that you just gave there where you help one person you make an impact with one individual and we have no idea at times the number of people that domino effect that will move forward and help the family and the family will help other families and and making a difference like that is is a a beautiful uh, powerful thing um good good how did you how did you decide to specialize in in business trademark and estate planning well, originally it was going to be the, you know, the criminal public defender type of role. Um, and like I said, I still do plan on on going back to that at some point in my career when I'm able to, to offer that like pro bono, because that's still very important to me. But after going through law school and taking a wills and estates class, I just started thinking like these are very important things that my community needs as well. It's not just about criminal law or family law. Like this is something that can set them up for future generations. So I'm big on generational wealth. Um, That's like the whole that's my whole theme to my law firm. So everything I do revolves around that because there, at some point, once you're gaining your assets and you're, and you're gaining your wealth, you have to be able to transfer that to the next generation. That's the only way we're creating generational wealth. And I feel like some people speak to that and they're they're forgetting that part. They're just thinking, okay, I accumulate all this money, but what happens if I don't plan properly with that? Mm-hmm. And it depends. That's very specific to the person's situation. So um, for me, I just started thinking like, well, how can I... Um, capitalize on like my skill set, which is just reaching out to my community, even by itself, without even me having a particular skill, just from that regard and from, and from having my own businesses during law school as well. And from doing trademarks before law school and then getting exposed through the classes, all of that combined, it just all started to click for me. And I was like, wait, we can't have one without the other. Like, and that's why as much as like, like the least favorite thing that I guess I do is is contracts, but I'll never stop doing contracts because that ties in so many different things. And so it, it all it all really does make sense with the things that I offer, which would just be the the trademarks, the estate planning, real estate closings, business formation, and and contracts. Mm, yes, 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 yes. When you talk about generational wealth, it also reminds me of generational peace. And mm-hmm. and because you you know this probably better than anybody, but to make sure some of our listeners are aware. Of, you know, with, with estate planning and, and, and jump in whenever you, you, you want to, but with estate planning, planning for that next generation, why it's why, why I've seen it's, it's pivotal is because without a plan for when you die, then the kids that are left behind and the grandkids and the other family members, um, they, they can go crazy. They, they go crazy and tear each other apart. So 
it's it's one thing to have money to pass down, but then to have a plan as you're talking about, and then the plan can lead to incredible peace instead of incredible drama. Right. Yes, I love that. That is that's really good. I thought you were going somewhere else with that, but that makes perfect sense because you 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 do give peace of mind to your family and you do protect your kids because you putting them on beneficiary accounts if they're minors who's the guardian did you select the guardian will the court have to select the guardian for you so there's just so many different um, things that you have to think about and a lot of people don't uh, you know you see celebrities pass away and and they you know you think wow you didn't have a will like you would think of course but you know it's something that revolves around death. People don't want to necessarily talk about that. For me, I like to to say it's really not a death conversation. It's a life conversation and how you're living your legacy. And so this is just an extension of that. It's not really focused too much on your death, or at least in my office, we don't really like to think about it in that way. Sure. Now, it, it t- tell me what you what you've observed about this because you've talked about, of course, in your biography, but also it's clear now. It's clear more than ever, even as I listen to you speak, your your passion uh, for minorities. Do you notice a significant um, trend with minorities not having plans? Because that's what I I, I notice. Um, But I'm I'm curious if you notice the same thing with minorities not having plans for when they die. And again, that leading to more problems, generationally speaking, and with their family. Absolutely. It definitely leads to more problems. And then we keep starting from scratch. We keep starting from the bottom and having to keep rebuild. And so it's like if you and some people think you need to have millions of dollars, not necessarily anything you have can help the next generation behind you. So it doesn't have to be that you have all this money. It's just, you know, anybody could have used and, and you know, people are different and they're familiar with different things. But for the most part, you know, I if you went to college, which I know you did, like if and I don't know how you paid for that or whatever, I'll speak to my, for myself. Sure, sure. Having school loans would have been very nice. So mm-hmm. something like that, you know, just any anything that can help your family and they have one less thing to worry about and can just continue on um, either running the family business or starting their own. But, you know, not having this debt or these responsibilities, because another thing with the minority communities, too, is that when the kids are successful and do get into these well-paying jobs, now they're supporting their family. And so it's like we're constantly being held down. And, and at some point we have to break that because and that's where I thought you were going with it, with the generational piece. You're breaking generational curses, like both literally and figuratively. It's like we have to, to, to break it and start new. And this is a lot of our other, uh, you know, demographics understand this, some of them, and they put things into place. And that's how you can build these empires that, you know, you have money for generations. And that's mm. what we to do in our communities. Yes. Well, I, I, I love hearing your passion behind it. I think it speaks to... Uh... It speaks to the drive and everything that you do. I think, I think, I think there's a it's a, a nice holistic passion and focus and drive when I hear your journey from a 16 year old um, all the way till now. But seeing that big picture in mind and and being strategic. I think when I think about um, again some of the, the the minority families that I've interacted with, of course, um, um, growing up, mm-hmm. I I think when when I think of sometimes the big difference is there's no strategy. It's like Hey, I'm living for today, and I'm living, and I may be living for tomorrow, but beyond that, there's no strategy. Then when I see other communities um, that that are like, no, we're thinking, we're not thinking about tomorrow or today. We're thinking not just 30 years from now. We're thinking 120 years from now. We're thinking 300 years from now. And when I hear you talking about generational wealth, or even when we mention generational peace, that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing there's a strategic way to approach this to set up more people for success than just thinking about me alone. 
Exactly, exactly. And I think at some point, once we get past our, you know, success, whatever that means to us, and we start making money, yeah, you buy nice things, which you deserve, that's fine. But at some point, there's a bigger purpose. And your purpose is always bigger than you. And it's always a selfless act. And so it's like, you have to start thinking, and that's why it goes to the legacy, you have to start thinking about what do you care about? What's important to you? Um, and, and build that way. And that's how, that's how we'll change the narrative. And so Nobody's going to come save us. We have to do it for ourselves in a mm. sense. Yes, yes, yes. Did you grow up in a, in a uh, predominantly minority community? I did. I did. I did. So, um, um, so uh, Mexican-American background. And even when I went to high school, um, you know, I, I, I tell this one, one story I talk about is, is until I went to college, I really didn't have, I didn't see a lot of even um, of Caucasians, you know, around you know, it, it was it was rare. I remember when I when I started going to you know even like like to, to in like a church community, and then when I went to college, you know, then I started having a, ho a whole bunch of friends from a bunch of different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I remember like it's, it's not like a silly moment, but mm -hmm. we were playing basketball, and then you know, I never saw like um, a Caucasian man with the, the shirt off before. It was it was a, just a different it's a different experience, you know. Um, but right, right. So um, and and uh, but I think looking back. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm grateful for the, one, the way I was raised, but also mm -hmm. um, being able to be exposed to uh, different people because you see how other people do things. And, uh, and my mom and I will have conversations. My, my, mom, my mom sometimes will tell me that, hey, she'll tell me that you're not building your business like a like a Mexican, a Mexican American. I'm like, well, is that a, is that a compliment? Or is that a, is that an insult? And then for for her in her world, she was telling me, "No, no, that's that's a compliment. I'm, I'm building you up right now because um, she talks about collaborate. I'm big on collaboration. Like, how can I help other people? How can they help me? How can we win, 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 win?" Absolutely. And um, she goes, "She just told me that Mexican Americans don't typically do that." And I'm going, "Okay, well, sounds like I'm doing something right." But but again, not not to insult the Mexican American community. She that's just her observation of how she's seen other um hispanics build business so anyway um to no, answer your question yeah no that's exactly what i'm you know what i'm talking about we have to change how we handle you know how we do business at least in america in the states because you can really benefit from just different tax tax ramifications or benefits from that for example we legitimize your business instead of you know paying under the table whatever the case may be and again like you i'm not a trying to offend or judge any one situation mm -hmm. uh, just from experience like when you legitimize your business you're you're protecting yourself from liability as well and so they're just that's really what I want to tell people it's like there there are other avenues there are ways you can scale and grow your business and again we do that anyways just not always with the legal paperwork in place but mm -hmm. we already have the the blueprint really it's just about taking advantage now of what other people know to take advantage of yes 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 but that's so funny that you say like Mexican-American because where I grew up and where I went to high school, it, they there were white, black and Mexican people. And so since I fell into both my parents are from Dominican Republic, mm -hmm. so I was born in New Jersey, but I'm you know, my parents, I'm Dominican. And so they really didn't understand what I was. So then, you know, it was always just interesting. Um, and so I, I, I guess I won't. Well, I can say where I plant city. Florida. Um, but yeah, it was, it's really interesting to have grown up in that regard. It was like very divided, these three distinct uh, groups mm -hmm. of people. And I felt like I didn't only fit into any one group. 
um, because up here in New Jersey and New York, it's much more common to have Dominicans or other like, just first of all, everybody, everybody's up here, which is amazing. And that's what I love about New York. Um, mm. Find your people no matter where you are. Sure, sure. You know, it, it, you know, you bring up a fascinating concept because I remember growing up and I've always been a reader, like reading, reading, you know, memorizing content is something I've done from my early age. Um, but I remember even in the community being criticized at times for the way I talked, you know, because if you're a reader, you use different words, you know, you, you use different vocabulary. If you use different vocabulary, sometimes it's criticized for, I remember the criticism of, you know, be, hey, you, you talk like a white guy. Yeah. But then I remember also growing up playing basketball and then of course, you know, basketball with hip hop goes together. And then, and then you <laughs> criticize for talking. Okay. No, you, you don't talk like you, you, you don't talk like a Mexican guy. You talk like um, a black guy. Again, that kind of criticism could come on too. Um, but anyway, it's just, it's just, it's fascinating uh, cultural concepts um, to grow up, um, it, uh, you know, for me in, in a predominantly Mexican American uh, community and then the, the different criticism that could come your way. Yeah, definitely. We, we get criticized no matter what, but it is interesting and it does affect you depending on your environment too. Mm. Um, because here I feel like I'm at home, like, oh, people understand I'm Dominican. But mm. in Florida or, you know, where I was raised, like it was not that. And so I just never felt under, like understood, you know? Mm. So I love it now. Yes, yes, yes. Latina. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, what advice would you offer someone just starting their law firm? Definitely be aware that you're going to wear many hats. And I think this is true for any business, you know, entrepreneur, anybody starting off a business, really know that don't try to hire too many people on at first, make sure that you're, you know, really working to capacity before you do that. Because if you hire somebody on too early, it might not be the right fit. You might be wasting more money, even if you did get a business loan and you can afford it, just save that. And instead, like learn everything that you can about your business. Because even when you hire other people on, it is helpful to kind of know, you know, the background of it and to be able to see if there is something that, you know, if something happens with that person and you need to fill in, you just always want to make sure you're as well-versed in, in all the areas of your business that, that you can be. Um, so with that, patience, definitely patience. It's not all going to, you know, happen all of a sudden. We always see these, these stories where people, it looks like it's an overnight success, but then you read their story and it's been like years for them to get to this point. So whatever, and you know, for, I guess I'll speak for a law firm because that was your question. So for a law firm, you know, it is a business where you're kind of into sales in the sense that you need to get clients and, and the industries do vary. Um, but it's not going to be unless unless you come from a different background, but just a regular person opening up their law firm, the clients aren't going to come running in the door. You have to market yourself. And as a, and again, as a law firm, it's a little bit different because, you know, we do have advertising rules and regulations. And so you have to be still professional and be very careful when you're talking to people, but you still have to market yourself. And, and that might be different in your Locality, depending on the business that you do, obviously, you know, a billboard might work for somebody who's doing family law in a specific uh, town versus me. I do trademarks. That's like a federal. I can help anybody in the in the United States with a federal trademark. So me, I'm going to have an online presence or try to have an online presence to reach however many people mm -hmm. I can. So it just with the, the patience, marketing and being able to do many things and don't, you know, don't limit yourself as to what you can do or think you're too good for any one job. Mm, yes, I like it. Uh, you mentioned a couple of points I, I, I want to highlight. You, uh, you went, one thing you said, um, uh, get get to capacity first. Yeah, like, uh, it's 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 a, it's an interesting thing. But you think 
sometimes you go, oh, well, I can hire somebody again, like in my world, oh, I can hire somebody to do um, my podcast video editing or my the audio editing, or um, there's a number of things that can be self-taught and you can learn, you can learn the skill and even, even better so much. So you know what to look for when you are prepared and equipped, especially if you're financially ready to bring somebody on. Um, but, but at times if, if you, you, uh, you, you rush ahead with, in haste, it could be a poor financial decision long-term because you're, you're wasting a resource when early on, as you, as you mentioned, one of the biggest resources you have is time. And mm-hmm. if you have more time <laughs> than you have money, then it makes more sense to, then to maximize some of your time uh, with some of those jobs. And you also mentioned this idea of never think you're, you're above or are too good Mm-hmm. something and, and I talk about that too I said you know what I'm, I'm still a janitor you know I'm still a janitor of my business like I, I, I I'm not so far ahead where I can hire a janitor but but if uh, if I do you know then once I get there then that, that's a good thing but for now it's it's me and it's my wife <laughs> we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're the we're the janitors of the strong life coach but um, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that that's your business and that that's what it takes you know definitely yeah. And um, what is what is one thing you would do as an attorney if you knew you couldn't fail? So I don't know if I'm thinking of the question correctly, but the way I would answer it is hire other attorneys as soon as possible. Um, I really want my firm to last for a long time, I guess, because I'm all about legacy, but mm-hmm. really because I want, you know, we recognize these other firms that have been around for a long time. And I don't think that they're minority owned for the most part, the ones that I could think of. And so I really want this firm to specialize in that. Obviously we will serve, you know, everyone, but just being a resource for our community. So having, being bilingual, being able to accept any, any client that is that needs our services. Um, so I would love to hire on attorneys. They don't necessarily have to be bilingual, but that would be helpful. Attorneys that come from where I come from or other backgrounds that understand the, the struggle. Because sometimes I feel like if you're a minority and you go to um, a, you know, a white attorney for estate planning, they don't understand the cultural differences. And there's nothing that can help them understand. Like you just didn't grow up that way. So I feel like if we're, we understand we're the same people. And so that's why if I can hire as many attorneys that kind of share the same vision or drive to help our community as I could, then I would. So I don't know if that, that answers kind of where you were going with that question, but that's what I would do if I knew I, I couldn't fail, just hire as many attorneys as I, as I could and open up more offices. Yes, absolutely answers the question. And it's, it's a concept that entrepreneurs and business owners completely understand and get when uh, I've asked this question before and people have met, Hiring often comes up yeah. because it's such a delicate thing, you know, because uh, turnover is so, I mean, it's so dang expensive. I mean, when you think about um, the, I think the stat I've shared recently was, and this is a, a, um, a, on a lower scale, mm-hmm. but it was $15,000 is the, 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 the stat that's thrown out for, for the cost to lose an employee, have to um, recruit retrain and get up to speed and that's if they're making 45k but that number only continues to climb as that salary continues to improve to to go up when you talk about attorneys absolutely that much more so but i've heard that over and over again that business owners if they knew like they would hire a good person you know good person right attitude right drive right vision 
they absolutely would would um, expand rapidly. Yes, absolutely. And just from working at a law firm, starting off as a receptionist, because like I was talking about um, the attorney who hired me on, the law firm environment is not really known to, to be good, I guess. Like it doesn't have a really good reputation. And that's the office morale is something that's very important for me to keep. And so that's another thing, like I'm not just going to hire anybody on it. Like I'd be very, very particular because it's it's important to um, to create an environment because if your employees are happy, then everyone's happy. Business is, is good. Um, and that's just important. Mm-hmm. Yes, the culture. Uh, I, 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 there's a quote that says that uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> and, uh, I think that's what I'm hearing from you is yes, I'm going to bring somebody on who's going to bring the culture that you're all about. Because if you bring somebody on and they're just they're they're breaking down and destroying the culture that you're striving to build, exactly. it's counterproductive. You're wasting resources in in a salary, but you're wasting time, effort, and energy in trying to. Um, help change that that bad attitude yeah and then they affect your other employees too when you're not around and mm-hmm. so that that's how it just kind of keeps going down i mean even with my intern now i encourage her so much and she's doing so great i encourage her to like let me know whatever there's no limitation on your creativity it's actually a state planning week currently um it ends tomorrow and i was like this is your thing you know sh- Give me whatever you got. And she's done amazing. We've had really good feedback. Um, and so that's how, I, again, I you you look for the right people, then to keep them, you're good to them, you know, and then it just, it'll it'll grow and it'll be fine. Hmm. But, it, but you have the responsibility too, to check yourself in a sense too, you know, you, you have to, as a leader, lead people and show them how you want to be. And that's how the attorney that hired me, literally, I feel like he was such a good person. Um, not only to me to many other people that's just who he was like everybody knows that um and that's how i want to that's how i hope to be and how i hope to run my firm Mm, good 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 um and i I love how you captured the autonomy you're giving your intern to be as creative as you want to be you know you're not you're not putting the blinders on you're not boxing her in but you're going hey look you could fly um you can fly as high as you want to fly, upside down, left and right, right. Um, but be creative. And, and I, I, the phrase that comes to mind is unleashed. You know, you're unleashing that, that creative potential. I love, I love hearing that. Yeah. What has been the best way for you to market your law firm? Social media now, especially because of COVID, um, definitely partnering up, like you said, collaborating with people, you never know who they know. And and it kind of just trickles from there. Nothing is stronger than word of mouth, but when you're starting off and people need to know who you are, um, definitely just doing events. Uh, like I said, social media, I haven't really gotten into the ads yet, but you know, that's always a thing people talk about, about that. Um, and that's, that's, what's been working so far. Um, for me, just that marketing on social media, online, being a, being open to work with people, like even thank you so much for inviting me on here on this podcast. Um, that, that's how I've been doing it. All right. Wait, this counts. This counts, you know, Absolutely, get, right? get exposure out there and and plug you. You know, I, I tell people um, the podcast, the audio ver- version of the podcast is available in 26 different locations. Uh, the video will be in 15 different locations, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about that, but, um, but right, you know, you, you meet the um, people who have um, different reach or different, different uh, capacity that they're able to, to help one another in, 
in some of that marketing and exposure. Exactly. Exactly. I might get, you know, you never know who I know and they might see our video and be like, oh, I got to reach out to him. Hey, you know, you know, why not? Why not? Hey, you know, remember, let this be the the reminder to tag some of your other attorney friends so I could have them on as well. Yes, I will. (laughs) All right. Now, um, what what has helped you establish work-life balance as an attorney, but even as a law firm owner? What has helped you to establish that? Um, I think it's a little unbalanced right now, to be honest, um, because like I said, I have my 13 month old daughter um, at home with us. And so it's a little bit hard, but really, I just on the weekends, I definitely work, but we have this thing where we like take walks. It's getting a little cooler in, in New York, but we take walks every Sunday, no matter what you know work we have to do. And then we go walk somewhere to eat at a restaurant. So in New York, there's only like outside dining. No, I think they just opened up the inside dining. But anyways, we have this, you know, our little tradition every Sunday we go on a stroll. Sometimes throughout the week, we'll, you know, my partner and I will watch a movie late at night or not a movie, but like Netflix, Um, just little things like that to kind of keep us in check. So it's not just all work. Um, There's not a schedule to it just because I have my, my daughter, but we definitely carve out the time. It just, Sundays is the only thing that's consistent. That's like, okay, we're, you know, we're going on our walk every Sunday. Oh, good, good, good. And, and I appreciate the, the transparency, you know, um, owning that, the, the, the balance. And, and I've heard that actually a lot with, with the current season. It may not be as balanced as an ideal state, mm-hmm. um, especially you mentioned it um, earlier, like the uh, it, it, it's it's been busier in the law firm, which is a good problem to have. And then when you have that good problem, you're, you're striving to figure out what ideal balance looks like. Exactly. What are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? So I immediately think of my partner. Um, he has has really helped me with this. So some of his characteristics, you know, again, patience. I think that that is underrated because in, in many different ways that can really bring clarity um, and stillness to your life, which will help you react to different things better. So definitely just having that patience, the humility, um, courage, um, those are, those are all leadership, you know, that's important to be a leader. I don't, I don't think that that's something you can even really read upon. I think that's like an internal thing, something that you just have. I mean, of course you can hone in on your skills, but, um, just being able to lead people and inspire people with just living your truth. I think that's a, a special quality. A lot of us put so many blocks up and it's like, you don't even know who you are. Nobody you know, really knows who you are. And I think there's so much strength in being vulnerable. Um, and you know, some people might, might disagree, but I think th- those are some of the qualities that I could think of. Yes. Um, patience, courage, leadership, vulnerability. Vulnerability, I feel like it's, it's almost, it's always that untapped virtue because I, yep. think, I think about the vulnerability. It's like this. Um, it's the child of courage and humility, right? Like if, you know, v- vulnerability, if I see somebody being vulnerable, talking about something that's not like this um, good part of, of their story of them, it's not the most glamorous depiction of who they are. I go, oh, I'm, I'm looking at courage right now. I'm looking at right. humility right now, because as opposed to telling me all the good things about you, you proactively chose to share something negative about mm-hmm. you, your journey, your perspective, your thoughts, something, you know, a mistake you made. I think there's always a great power in vulnerability. 
Absolutely. And, and and that's why I said not everybody agrees. I don't even think my partner, we've had that conversation about vulnerability. And I don't know if that was like just a, you know, a, a man thing or what, but I, there is real power in that, just like for the reasons that you said. Mm-hmm. You can speak to your flaws and be okay with that. That shows, I think, more strength than you trying to hide it. Yes, yes, yes. I uh, have an entire chapter in my marriage book about that. Um, yeah, it's on the it's on the letter um, O, but it's talking about open up new depth with vulnerability. Um, yeah. But so yes, I'm absolutely passionate about the concept. So thank you for uh, highlighting that as one of the favorite qualities. I, I think that is one of those game changer hidden hidden gems. Yes, um, that's, that's left untapped. I found somebody that agrees with me. I love it. Sometimes <laughs> I feel like you guys don't understand, but it's so true. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, um, to bring it, bring us in for a landing, um, Kiara, I want to say uh, thank you for joining me on the podcast. It was, uh, it was great to hear more about you, your journey, your story, and your passion as an advocate. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love, I love any platform that invites you know, people like myself to, to speak on this because it really impacts people. And you see all the time how people say, oh, I heard this on on." this podcast where I read that and it's like you're touching more people than you can possibly even know just by having different people speak um, because you know everybody that you have on your podcast they will say something that'll resonate with at least one person you know somewhere so that's right Thank that you. is right so um, if you're you're striving to get a hold of Kiara I want to give you some information so you could get a hold of her, her the website is www.santoslegalgroup.com her social media, her Instagram is at santos.legal.group. Her LinkedIn is um, Kiara Santos and her Facebook is Santos Legal Group. So go over and follow her on Instagram, interact, engage with some of her content, like her Facebook and anything else you want them to do for you, Kiara. Um, and you can schedule free consultations as well if you're interested in any of the services that I offered. So talk to me schedule yes i love it i love it this is the strong life coach podcast we speak life coach life write life and lead life if you are tuning in i want to encourage you to go to apple podcast give it a five star rating leave a comment on the video over on the youtube page and uh, let us know what you thought and of course absolutely subscribe thank you for tuning in and we'll connect with you on the next episode